And I don't know if you were conscious during that whole worship set, but it seems like your voices are pretty awake. And some people may or may not have come with the intentions the intentions to, to praise or worship God, or maybe you just came here to check it off your checklist for the week. And listen, you're in a room full of people that are broken and messed up, so we just invite you to look at this heavenly, awesome Father that we have. Realize that we're messed up and that we need Him. And yesterday, there were some people from our church, and you can't make all of them, okay? I just want to preface this. I couldn't make yesterday's Community 11, but you can't make all of them, but if you can make any of them, uh, they're worth it. I got text messages yesterday. I told people that I was praying for them, and I said, hey, I uh, hope you guys have a great time. I'm praying for you. And I got text messages. This blessed me more than it blessed the people that we, that we talked to, that we, that we touched, we, that we gave away our item to. See, Connection Seeks to do what God asks us to do. And that means to encounter people. And this is what we get to sing. This is, this is one of the coolest things that will, you will ever be presented with or get to do on this earth. You literally get to go talk with someone that doesn't know Christ or has, a, has, a, has an issue with following God or maybe has not went on that journey like you have. And you can go to them and this is what you can say. Do you hurt? Jesus takes away your pain. And my favorite one of that whole thing is if you need freedom, <laughs> God just doesn't bring up a key. And I love that way that song writes it. He doesn't bring up a key and say, okay, you can come out now. He shakes the prison at its foundation. He shakes whatever traps you and He shakes it. He's a prison-shaking Savior, and some people, many people outside of these walls, maybe someone here, needs to fully grasp that idea about how big God is. Because we go to Him and we say, Ah, my stuff is too big. You ever told that lie to yourself? There is nothing that is bigger than our God and His power. And so we continue today in, in Colossians chapter 3. For those of you who are keeping track, we're past halfway. There's only four chapters. Okay? But connected, connected to Go, sermon number 5 through Colossians. But I just, seriously, I just want to say, I just want to say thank you. Um, because sometimes people feel like they have to be just a part of everything. And this is the cool part about connection that not... That not everybody gives the same in time and monetary, but everybody sacrifices the same. I literally called a couple people yesterday and I said, or the day before yesterday, I said, Hey, something's come up, I can't be there. Can you make oh yeah, we're going. Cool. See, this is this is awesome. We have people that, that grab into this, that, that go to the community loving, but um, I know that Ken and Zenny appreciated you showing up. Uh, I, I've heard from many, many people. Um, I heard a story last night of a, of a lady walking up to a young boy, handing him a gift, going back to the vehicle because she was so emotional about how blessed she was to give that gift. This is a big deal. I'm not talking about we have to get emotional all the time, but when, when you see the impact that you make on people... So this is my challenge. Yes, we're going to have several more of these before the end of the year. But if you find yourself in an opportunity, and I'm talking 25, 50, 75, 80 cents, and you buy somebody's coffee, email me that story. That, contrary to popular belief, that is actually a community loving. You just did it by yourself. <laughs> you just did it by yourself. 
So this is what we're going to do. Next week is the fourth Sunday. And I know some of you are going, oh, fourth Sunday. Touch someone's life gift. Yes, I love this. Here, here's my challenge. Next week we have dunk party. We're not going to do the touch someone's life gift. I know, some of you are, oh. <laughs> you're offended. Okay, here's the deal. You all get to. So when you go out and you can touch someone's life, you email me one of those stories. So instead of getting two stories, I could get a whole lot more than two. See how this works? It's going to be a big week next week. If you are interested in being baptized, listen, you've got to come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. We're going to, we're going to dunk people. You ever go through life, even if you're a follower of Jesus, and you just feel like, God, I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I'm walking on a treadmill spiritually. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I don't feel, I don't feel adequate today. You ever feel that? We're a pretty real church here. So I'm going to let you in on something. That still happens to people. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not a pastor. It can happen to you. You can, you can believe these lies. Satan can. He, I talked to one person. I said, do you not think that Satan would love to destroy you because you go to church and you honor God with their life? And they said, yeah. And they said, but if I'm experiencing this, what do you think the leaders of our church experience? I said, well, let me tell you something. It's very real. So I began to pray earlier this week. I said, God, I'm, I'm not listening to this junk this week. I'm not. You're bigger than this. I'm not listening to this. So I get a phone call. I was going to dunk one person next week. One person. And guess what? That's more than enough. It's more than enough to, to show the external experience of what happened in the young man's life. So now, uh, by, by Tuesday, I had two... And I'm not going to even tell you what's going to go on next week, but I'm telling you this. If you want to see God's amazing, unbelievable power, if you want to experience something just to get to watch it, listen, you may not even be related to these people, but what if I told you that there were going to be dads baptizing their sons and daughters? That's how big God is. And I'm like, Haha. I'm just I'm walking around the rest of this week, and I get phone calls and phone calls, and God is just pouring Himself out on our people. So yeah, sometimes we feel like we have chains. But we have to remember who we are. Not in your own self, but remember whose you are. You were bought with a price. That a cross meant to kill is my victory. I can't tell you how many times I've sang that to myself this week. God, you've done everything. You've done everything and I, and I trust you. It's hard to say trust, by the way. It's very, very hard to say trust. Because some of us have big time issues with trust. But if you want to hang out with us next Sunday, do not come at 9, unless you're probably part of the band, do sound check. You will be early. Okay? Do not come at 11. You will be just in time for hot dogs and that's it. Okay? 10 o'clock. Okay? We start service at 10 o'clock. Now, if you want to come at 9, 9.15 and eat popcorn and chill out, please come on. Okay? Or you can even play it off. Say you got up early, like you were going to come to 9 o'clock and you get here and you realize, oh, I'm really early. I'm just going to play it off and I'm going to eat popcorn. No one will say a word. Okay? Just come in and chill with us. So, 10 o'clock next Sunday, we're going to share it on Facebook. Share it with your people. Let everybody know. We're going to pack this place and I'm going to ask you to do something. It is very out of our comfort zones. It is, it is like, I once had a kid in youth group that told my sister, uh, she, said, she said, Tyler, you need to really expand your, your comfort zone. And he looked at her very straight face and said, but Jennifer, my comfort zone is the size of a hula hoop. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. Now... What I want to ask you to do this is this. We have a lot of people. We have several people getting baptized. They're going to bring family. 
You're part of connection. Everybody can see it out here. This is what I want you to do. I want you next week, I want you to get up here. I want you to sit here. No, I'm not going to spit on you. You can ask these people that sit on the front row every day, every week. I don't spit on them. I don't try to. But, but we, need to, we need to scoot up some. We've, we've done the SOS. Now we're doing, you know, the sus. We're going to scoot up some, okay? But we've got to scoot up. We have to make room for our people. We want people to come in. We want visitors to be comf- comfortable in the back, okay? We're going to dunk people. It's going to be grand. It's going to be awesome. 10 o'clock next week. We're going to be in chapter 3. And Paul says this. Paul is reminding. He's given these people instructions. If you, if, you've, if you followed with us or you know about Colossians a little bit, uh, Paul is writing to a group of people that he probably never met face to face. And we find that very odd. But all he did was he sent them information and guidelines and directions on, hey, you're a new church. This is what I've seen work. This is what I've seen doesn't work. And then on chapter 3, you might be sitting here today and you may have been able to relate with a story that I said about myself for this week. And you may think, you know what? Some weeks are just hard. And it's really tough. Paul writes these words to encourage these people. Now why, why? in chapter 3, these words are fantastic to hear for two reasons. And I want to share this with you. Number one, it is good for us followers of Jesus to hear again. Now I want you to repeat that. It is good for the followers of Jesus, the people that already have that relationship with Him, to hear them again. It's important. Jesus repeats a whole lot of stuff in the New Testament. He talks about hell more than He talks about heaven. Guess why? On purpose, and He didn't want people to go there. He he wasn't scaring them. He said, this is the consequence for your sin. He's telling them this. So it's good for us to hear these words as followers to help us understand again. Next week, next week I want you to sit up here real close. And and, and whenever, whenever somebody's getting baptized... I want you to remember back to the time whenever you were in that water. Not necessarily this, but you were in the baptismal waters. And that excitement. I've baptized people. We've seen people baptized here that my grandpa would refer to as getting happy. They're excited about what God has done. And when you can realize and remember that, hey, I used to be there. Where have you gone? Come back. Come back. Realize that fresh, just revitalizing feeling. And be reminded that the foundation we have is in Christ and it's not on you. You've done nothing to form your spiritual foundation. It's been done for you. The second reason that these words are good to hear is because it's for people that have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. They can hear this. In Colossians 3, they can hear the Word of God and they can understand what Jesus has done for them and that the only hope they have is in Christ. Paul does not say this lightly. He says this incredibly purposefully. Paul's telling him in chapter 3 that we need to live as new creations. This just happened. I didn't plan this for the first blank of your worship, your worship handout. Some of you are going to go, well, it's deer season. Here comes that innuendo. Watch this. Look at your first blank on your, on your worship handout. <laughs> Where do you set your sights? See, there's different sights that you set. Where do you set your sights? 
I'm sorry. I really, I apologize. I won't. I'll never touch this again. Where do you? Where do you? Uh, where do you set your sights? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Where? I. Th- yeah. It's. Mm, it's being mean to me. Where do you? Where do you set your sights? Some of us set our sights on the biggest steak on the menu. And I get no amens for that. Okay, that's good. Great. Okay. See, it's the end of the year. We're getting ready to start about the dieting, but right now you set your sights on the biggest steak. Some of you have this thing in your mind, like, well, if I hate the biggest steak now, I have more weight to lose in January, and it'll be... No, it's not good, okay? Where do we set our sights? Sometimes we, we set our sights on, on, on what, is, what is the best for us financially. What do you set your sights on financially? What do you set your sights on spiritually? This is a big deal. If you've seen if you've seen the program Couch to 5K, you cannot run a 5K on the couch. Unless your couch has wheels, then it doesn't count. Okay? But where do you set your sights? If you're, if you're doing the couch to 5K, your sights are completely on finishing the 5K. When you understand that just being a couch potato just means you're not in the shape that you want to be, so you work and you set your sights and you have a goal. You ever set a goal? You ever set a goal and achieved it? You ever set a goal and failed? This is the big deal. Don't be afraid to set goals and fail yourself. But God doesn't have to fail. God is big. Where do you set your sights? I know some of you are like, you know, right behind the shoulder. <laughs> you, know, where, uh, you know, where do we want to eat? That's a loaded question. Okay, where do you set your sights? Paul's talking spiritually. Where do you set your sights? Now, what you, what you do is this. Oftentimes, we get the scope if we're looking through for spiritual reasons. And, we, and we, we have it pointed right at God. We want God, we want you, we want you, we want you. Does it stay there? No. It goes away. God says, I want you to set your sights on me. Now, this means this. I want you to intentionally, on purpose, every day. The problem, and this really bothers me, and I'm not saying about connection people, I'm just saying about this just globally. When you get comfortable, your scope goes off God, and then the only thing that your Bible does is collect dust. God's Word is living. It's meant to have a relationship with Him through those words because they're living, breathing, and they can speak to your life. So where do you set your sights? In verse 1 of chapter 3, let's read that. Let's read that in chapter, in chapter 3. So he, he's, he's excited. Again, I don't think he's sitting down. I think he's standing up saying this. I think he's having some great conversations very out loud with probably the guards that are standing around him. And he says this, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. He needs one of those great big Kingsford magic markers, doesn't he? You know, the ones that smell really good? And you take the great big, you take the cap off, and you make a gigantic exclamation point there. Read that again. Look, just look at this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. At what point in there does Paul say, set your sights on what you want to do? I couldn't find it either. 
set your sights on what God wants you to do. This, mean, this, this first part of this verse, put God's plan ahead of your own. Oh, we don't like that. Especially living in first world America. Put God's plan ahead of my own. I don't think so. <clears throat> I'd rather have it all. It's very hard. But when you have your sights set on something and you have a goal, realize another thing, that it does not happen overnight. Some of you do not have the regimen of reading your Bible every day and studying it because you started yesterday. You have that regimen because you've put it into practice and it's become a habit for you. A healthy one. And you do, some, I, have a, I have a buddy, he said, he said, I can't believe... I can't. He goes. I forgot. I forgot my Bible. Very uncharacteristic. He carries it everywhere, but it, it's become a habit. He said, "I want. I want to understand. I want to tell people that I'm different. I'm different. I'm new." And he goes on and says, "Where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand." This was a place that was argued about with two disciples. You remember this? They're arguing. They come to Jesus. Disciples. They're supposed to know better, right? Disciples run up to Jesus. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, I have a question. Get out of the way. I have, I have a question. <clears throat> Hear me. We were having a discussion. We would like to sit at the right hand in heaven. They have, and then Jesus replies, he goes, you have no idea what you're asking. Because the right hand of God the Father is for the King of Kings. The one that can shake your prison. See, this, this right hand is not anything light. He gave His life so He could sit here. He's in the place of honor. Look at verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. We talked about last week. A junkyard. You drive by a junkyard, like, ah, it's just junk. It's just junk. But if you remember back, if you could look back, each one of these individual cars or vehicles had a day where they were somebody's prize joy. That some, so one day they rolled off the factory floor. They were brand new. See, things of this earth go away. Cars don't have a relationship with Christ. You and I, watch this, you want to know how crazy this metaphor is? We were the junkyard and then God made us new. It's completely reversed. Maybe you didn't hear me. Okay. You used to be a piece of junk. <laughs> now people are listening. Now he called me a piece of junk. Now listen. Your old life. Listen, your old life because of sin, it deteriorated you. It rusted you spiritually. It, it puts you in a place of yuck. Jesus comes in, takes your, your, your place. He takes your, your car, your spiritual vehicle, and he moves it over here. And what comes out is the brand new car. It is the exact reverse process of earth. But he says, think about these things of heaven. The things of earth will fade away. Things of God are the realities of heaven will not. Just think for just a second. If you have been in church at all in your life and you've heard anything about heaven, just think about this. We were, we literally, guys, we're, we're, we're not good. And I know that I tell you that all the time. But Christ made us completely new, a new life. That we get to experience. Just, just go Google. Go Google some scriptures about the dimensions of heaven. About the things that, that John writes in Revelation about heaven. 
I don't care what amusement park has the best roller coasters in the entire world. They probably had asphalt for you to walk on. And what we walk on in heaven is considered here to be precious. And we just walk on it there. A crystal sea. Walls with gems. And that's our house. That's our home. That's where we live. Why? Because He loves us. And Paul is trying to... Paul, you know, through this letter, is trying to reach out his hands to those people in this church. And he's trying to grab them by the collar. He's going, wake up! Listen! Look at verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He goes on to 3. Uh-oh. This is a reminder to you and to me this morning. Listen to this. For you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. There's a couple things here. I got to pray with a brother and sister this week in the same booth at Hardy's that their father prayed with me and received Christ. This week. This is how big God is. He said, I need to talk to you about, about baptism. He comes and talks to me. He brings a daughter and his son. And they said, we want to get baptized. We talk about baptism not saving us, but this, uh, our salvation experience through Jesus is what saves us. And that's an outward expression. And those two, I said, have you ever done this? They said, no, but we want to right now. There's some of their peers are sitting on the other side of the restaurant and they said, we don't really care. In fact, I'm, I, we are there so much at Hardee's. I was trying to have a meeting and the people knew it. They come out from behind the counter. They come over to some kids that were being loud and said, listen, you need to be really quiet. Right about the time I said, do you want to accept Christ? Convenient. <laughs> and they said, yes, we want to right now. A brother and a sister. <laughs> I'm telling you. God is moving. But keep in mind, whenever God moves, you can expect Satan to have a heyday trying to get you to take your scope off of there. Once you get the scope off, he's not care. He doesn't care. But when your scope is dialed in and it's on God, you can expect, Jesus says that, you can expect Satan to come after you. But when he says your real life is hidden, you died to your old self, that's why I love baptism. You can remember standing in those waters if you've been baptized. And you're standing up. And you represent your old person and he puts it under the pastor or the person puts you under the water and raises you back to represent Christ resurrecting from the dead and you're walking out a new person. You're a new creation. <laughs> but he also says your real life is hidden with Christ in God. John 10, 20, 28. 10, 28. So I'm placed in, uh, in, in the Son's hand. The Father's hand goes over me. This is, this is where the, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Baptist Church, believes in eternal security. And it says, no one can snatch you out of my hand. Okay? That, that, that we're safe. We're safe. We've pleaded the blood of Christ. It is enough. And he says, who is it? In verse 3, he says, for you died to your old life. You're dead. You're now a new person. Literally and completely, figuratively, you are a little bitty Jesus walking around this world. That doesn't mean that Jesus was 6'5 and you're not. It just means that you're, you're a representation of Christ. You're hidden. God's plans for your life should take priority over what we want. And I understand how hard that is. Does your old self ever come back and talk to you? 
Anybody in here never had that happen? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Sometimes I listen to what He has to say. Unfortunately, sometimes we all listen and then we do something, don't we? Sometimes we act like my parents did when my sister and I were about eight or nine. You hear it, you understand that it's a lie coming from the devil or your old self, you don't want to do it anymore. So you pretend that you're your mom and dad in the car and they are driving and they just start swinging, don't they? Anybody ever have a parent that did that? No? Okay. Our reflexes are awesome. Okay. Listen. And when Christ, look at verse 4, when Christ who is in your life, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. Now time out. Let's just see this process in four short verses. He takes you out of the junkyard. You were going to die. You're going to rust. You were going to go away. You were going to completely disintegrate. Spiritually, you were going to go away. You had no hope whatsoever. He takes you out of the junkyard. He takes you back to the factory. And in a reverse process, you roll out of the factory brand new. Tell me how this is, this is beneficial. Um, tell me, just tell me how this is not beneficial. We, we taken from our old state. We were made new. And then in, in this, he says... You will share in His glory. So not only does He make you a new car spiritually, He says, oh no, you're going to be in my parade. Listen, there's not an investment on this planet that gives you this. I don't care what percentage you return. I don't care what your portfolio looks like. I don't care if you... I don't care if you could sneeze $100 bills for the rest of your life. That would be cool. I'll come over anytime, give you Kleenex, okay? Listen, there is no investment in the history of this world that says this. You invest your whole self, it takes out of you, it takes out of you, it takes out of you. And then when you get to the age of retirement, they say, this is the money that you've saved, okay. And then you, it's the process of life and then you die. This is exactly the opposite. He takes your dead self and he makes you new. And then he says, hey, come on, you're going to join in my parade. I'm going to tell you, that's going to, be the, that's going to be the most amazing thing this world has ever seen when Jesus comes back. You've been given the power to live in Christ. If you have Christ inside you, you've been given the power. I know. You think, the only power that I want to do is I want to bench press 450. Okay, you and 15,000 other men in this planet. Okay, how about this? Why don't you set your sights on this? God, I want to be the dad. I want to be the husband. I want to be the, the fiancé. I want to be the, the, the person in the relationship, God, that hits my knees and shows strength in prayer. I want to be able to help my wife, help my mate, help my husband. I want to be that person. But he says when it's revealed, everybody will share in His glory. All it is is putting the Great Commission into practice. That's all it is. It's doing Matthew 28 out loud like we did yesterday and like you can this next week. I'm dead serious. You, if you do something like that, email me. I don't care. You can write it on a note, leave it anonymous, and just drop it in the, in the box back there. I don't have to know who it is. It's okay. I just want to see these stories because, because there's people that do this all the time and they don't record it. I want to know. Because God is doing things. Look at verse 5. So he says something, this is the easiest thing in my spiritual life that I've ever done, and that is complete sarcasm. Look at this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Anybody else have a problem with that? No, you're good? 
Good, great. You guys are way better than me. Listen, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in you. Here, I just want to start here. How many of you have pride? Period. We're done. Now we're all in the same boat, right? Okay, good. Come in my boat. The boat of sinful people, all right? Saved by grace. We're not going towards a waterfall. That's good, okay? So put to death the the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I was studying this this week. God used verse, the first part of verse 5 to just absolutely spiritually smoke me to my knees. He says, do not get so arrogant that you do not think that you do not need to lean on me. I, I do. I trust God. But I have days just like you do. And he goes on. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Some of you are saying, well, I don't do any of that. Okay. Be greedy. (laughs) Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Listen, we've all struggled with idolatry. If you've ever put anything in front of God, you've practiced idolatry. It's putting something in God's place and taking God out of that. That's idolatry. Moses comes down from the ten, with the Ten Commandments and he comes down, oh good, you made a pretty golden calf. And he gets angry. And he has to go get more commandments. Because <laughs> he broke them. There's no way that God does not have a sense of humor reading the Bible. And he says, don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Why are these things so dangerous? Why are these things so dangerous? Because they take your scope off of God. And contrary to popular belief, unless you are a far better marksman than I've probably ever seen, you need to be looking at what you're trying to get to, or shoot, or have a target on. It's very hard for a quarterback to look this way and hit a receiver this way. I know. There'll be some awesome person to do it, and I bet he can't do it nine times out of ten, okay? Some of you are going to go home and make video. See, I can do this nine times out of ten, just to prove Matt wrong. No. Look at verse 6. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, verse 5 was not really fun to read. Verse 6 is really not a whole lot of fun, period. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Why is the anger of God coming towards these things? Because He's again reminding you that you are not your own person. You are Jesus. See, this is the deal. When, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... I use myself as an example. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with Jesus. When my wife looks at me, she sees Matt. Physically. When the God of this universe looks at me because I've been, I've been, I've pled the blood of Christ on my life. When the God of this universe looks at me, do you know that he doesn't see me? No pressure. He sees Jesus. How are you representing him? This is hard. This is beyond hard. But because of these sins, the anger is coming. Why is the anger coming? Because God is just. He has to be. Why? Because He's perfect. He can't not be. But you are a different person. You're a new creation. We are to seek God, not the world. Look at your next blank on your worship handout. I think... think This is just phenomenal. Paul is telling these people who they are now. Maybe today God is using me as a vessel to tell you, you need to be reminded of whose you are. Oh, 
Feels like Satan's just throwing a whole bunch of stuff in your way. Why would he not? If you're trying, if you have your scope set on God, why would Satan not cause your path to be cluttered with stuff? But Paul is telling these people, listen. Jesus is a pain taker. He's a way maker. Some of you need to really understand that. He has a plan for you. Don't give up. Sometimes plans aren't answered. Prayers aren't answered overnight. You need to keep going. And my favorite one, that Jesus, if you need freedom, He says, oh no, no, freedom's found in me. Let me take care of this problem and He will shake it to the ground. And there's not very many bricks that are left standing on top of each other if my Savior shakes something. Paul is telling these people, he's reminding these people, I would imagine, I would just, just, out of my belief, would imagine these next verses, I don't think he's sitting down. I think he's got up. And I think he has, his person with him that's probably, is probably taking these notes. Um, theological people think that Paul suffered from, from really bad eyesight, being struck down by the light, um, writing notes in prison by candlelight. They think he suffered. That's the thorn in the flesh that they think he suffers with. But look at this. Look at these next verses. I think he got up and I think he got a little happy. In verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. Now, what, why is that important? Why would you even include that? Because Paul is making himself in a relationship with these people, he's telling them, we're all in the same boat here. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. Now, why is it important that they understand that Paul wrote this? <laughs> these people would have no problem comparing their sinful life to the life of sin that Paul or Saul led. Why? Because Paul hunted Christians. He puts them to death. If they think... Paul's writing this, he's saying, listen, if God can forgive me, you don't have a problem. I don't know, some of you, some of you can remember back to your, to your prior life and you say, Matt, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want me here. Guess what? If you, didn't, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want me here either. But Paul says this, you used to. If you understand what used to means, if you've had something that you used to and you don't anymore, this is a big deal. It's freedom. Well, smoking, chewing, whatever it is. Whatever that thing is. Whatever. Some of you have been very, very see-through with me. Say, you know what? I, I didn't used to talk this well. I kind of talk like a branch of the military known as the sailors in the Navy. <laughs> you used to. You used to. You do not, because of Jesus, have to be defined by your past. Matt, I can't believe that you married these people. Are they really married? I knew you in college. Yes. Yes, because I don't have to be defined by my past because the Savior of this world died for me and I accepted it. He's getting excited. Look at verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of... Oh, he... See, you know, some of us were like, you know what? First couple, you know, the lust and all that. I don't, I don't really struggle with this. And then, and then he starts swinging with boat oars. I'm being very, very serious here. Look at verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger. Have you got mad in the last hour? 
He's going to preach till 10.15, isn't he? (laughs) That's why we give you food. I'm just kidding. Listen, when your life is still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger. Just think about that. Think about the way that you reacted this week to your spouse. Think about the way that you reacted to your, to your kids this week. Then he, then, then he goes into this. Rage. Malicious behavior. Slander. Dirty language. Kids at school. They would come up to me. Mr. Griswold, I have a joke. And I asked him this question. I said, can I tell it from the pulpit of my church? And he goes, no. I said, I don't want to hear it. Now some of you are going, well, super Christian Mr. Griswold. No. <laughs> No, I don't need that because I already learned my old self. If it went in, it came out. So just don't listen. Earplugs. Spiritual earplugs. You're different. So Paul says this in a very nice way. Paul says this. You are different, so act like it. I told you that it was sharp. There's no way he said this sitting down. He goes, now how do I say this without being mean? I, I, I can imagine. He just walk around. Tell them to quit doing this. Tell them to quit doing this. They're new people. Look at verse 9. Don't lie to each other. Oh, so even if you got past the malicious being angry and the rage, listen. Don't lie to each other. If you caught a three-pound bass and you held it close to the camera and made it look seven and a half, you didn't catch a seven-pound bass. I don't care how good you are with a photographer skill. <laughs> you know you have people like that. You get text messages. This fish is this big. No, it's not. It's this far from the camera. When the fish, when the largemouth bass has eyes this big, it's not real. <laughs> Dipping their hand in the tank at Walmart. Yeah, got another one. <laughs> Where are you fishing? Aisle 11. I don't know. <laughs> we, but we do this, don't we? It's, it's funny to laugh. But if you think about stuff like this, don't lie to each other. Listen, we go around and we put this smoke screen up and we say, oh, I'm doing fine. <coughs> no, you're not. We do this. You walk around every day. Somebody comes up that truly, honestly cares for you and has a sight set on God. And they come up to you and they say, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. And you just lied. Because you're not okay. Let me tell you this something. You really ready? Left alone to yourself, you are absolutely not okay. You can't be because you're not God. Don't lie to each other. And we think, oh, it's just a little white lie. Forrest Gump said a little white lie was okay because his mama said so. Flex a light ping pong paddle, which everybody knew was a lie, but mom told me the little white lie doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. An exaggeration is a lie. Oh, it's an exaggeration. No, it's a lie. Sorry. <laughs> For you've stripped off your old, your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Paul says this. You have been taken out of the junkyard. Why on earth would you ever go get a junk part and put it in a new car? Why would you go get an old radiator that doesn't hold water and put it in a new car? That's what you do spiritually. We do, don't we? 
I'm going to go get a busted headlight because I just really love it because that's all I've ever used. I'm going to put it in my brand new truck. Spiritually, we do these things. And it makes no sense. And I'm in the boat with you. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Look at verse 10. Put on your new nature. This is the exciting part that I've got to see with some of you. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Some of you have put on your new nature. You know what? There's some people that haven't been at Connection that long. But I know you and you know me. And I know that you are completely different than you used to be. And you're choosing to put that new behavior on. You're walking around this world. You're doing things. You're not doing things that you never thought you would or would not ever do again. And you're doing this to say, listen, I'm not me anymore. You ever had that conversation with somebody? So, hey, you still, you still doing this and this and this and this and this and this? Don't talk from anybody from college, okay? You still doing this? Listen, I have friends that are still stuck in that groove. Nah, you want to go out again and drink? No. Don't you miss partying? I don't miss waking up. <laughs> I'm being really honest here. Listen, you're a new person. You created brand new. So do this. Look at the next blank. He's dead. Leave him there. Leave the old you in the past. Male or female. Whoever that is with you. Leave the old you in the past. When you were forgiven by God's grace and love and forgiveness, you spiritually died. Theologically and doctrinally, you are no longer living. Leave him there. Your attitude, the way you talk, whatever, whatever you used to do, leave it back there. Think about this. Is my life better today or was it better back then? Just think about that one for a second. God will not disappoint you, by the way. Look at verse 11. I think he gets up. He might be on a trampoline at this point in the jail. Okay, He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter. This is phenomenal news for you and I in this place right now. I don't think there's anybody in here. And you can correct me after, sir. I don't think there's anybody in here that is 100% authentic Jewish tradition, Jewish, Jewish person. So that means that you're a Gentile. So in this, in this scripture, it's a big deal because he says in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaved or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. I was asked this week by a person that called me. And I, lo- I, love, I love this. Ring, answer. Is this Connection Church? <laughs> I want to go, nope. <laughs> I said, yes, this is a pastor. What's going on? Who is this? Something. person wanted some information about our church. And then she says something like this. I've heard that you will let anybody come to church there. Is this true? 
I said yes. And then I said this. Because we have a whole bunch of people that are broken in our church. And if you'd like to be another piece of broken pottery that's seeking the master potter, you can come on with us. I don't care if you're green. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're yellow. I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care. Because it's not about me. Jesus says it's all about God. It's a new life. It doesn't matter who you are, that Christ is all that matters. And some of you might leave today even still stuck on your pride and your non-humility and saying, I can do it on my own. Some of you have said hurtful things to people in the last month. Some of you have said hurtful things to somebody this morning. Some of you have done it here at church. Some of you have done it last couple months, last six months. You've said things that are not kind. That's what Jesus says. Quit it. I didn't die for that. I died so that you can get away from that kind of stuff. I died so that you can live in a manner that doesn't even, you can't even imagine how free I can make you. I can shake your prison. But it's really tough. Look at verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people. Hello. (laughs) Chose us to be a holy people. He loves. Paul's talking to these people. You must be the holy people He loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. It would be much easier to put anger, getting mad, non-humility, and pride right there, wouldn't it? And he says the complete opposite. I didn't take you out of the junkyard so that you can put old parts in a new car. I took you out of the junkyard to make you new so that you can show people how good I am. And the only way you can do that is if you practice these. Everybody sees people get mad. But what about if people saw the complete sincerity of you saying, I'm sorry? It'd blow their mind. If some of you would go up to somebody that you hurt 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago, or they hurt you, and say, you know what? I'm sorry for my part of this. I, want to, I would rather have a relationship than be right. They might fall over. And you can say, I'm not the person that I used to be. I'm trying. But to practice tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, it doesn't come without us absolutely trying. Because we'd rather do the other. Just get mad. Do whatever you want. If you want to talk about some words that can hit home, they're right here in verse 13. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Is forgive people that hurt me. Oh. Well, there's a rip in Pastor Griswold's Superman cape as a Christian. Yeah, there is. Because I have problems. It hurts to forgive people sometimes, doesn't it? Even if you know it's the right thing to do, it's one of the hardest things you can possibly think about doing, let alone doing it. But it says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That even means the conductor of the train that you get stuck behind. Some of you are lucky this week. You said, I didn't get stuck by one train. I got struck by two. Back to back. Praise the Lord. You weren't saying that in your real life. Okay, listen. Listen, make allowance for each other's faults. If you're married or you're in a relationship, 
You're not perfect and neither are they. The only way that it works is if you put God in the middle of you and you both go that way. Remember the Lord forget... Ooh. Boat or time again. I'm telling you, if you read this and you truly study this, he is swinging a huge boat oar to get people's attention here. This is not mom and dad. This is like, come on. Listen, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know inside your individual self, in your little closet that you do not let anybody into, you know what your car looked like junk and rusted, don't you? You do. I don't like to think about that stuff, but it's good to remember. Now, now watch this. Now, where are you now? You're not junk and rusted anymore. You're the new creation. You're the new car. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Since God forgave you, forgive other people. This is one of the hardest things you will ever do. And listen, I'm not talking about things that are your fault. Okay? I'm not talking about things that are not your fault. Okay? I'm talking about things that are forgivable. Maybe you said something. Maybe you, maybe you did something. Maybe you did something viciously on purpose. Look at 14. Above all, clothe yourself with love. <laughs> clothe yourself in love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In verse 15, we read about something that if you could bottle it up, I'm telling you, if you could bottle peace up, spray formula, dab formula, no care what it is, if you could bottle peace, you would be the richest individual on this earth. I guarantee you. I'll take six cases of peace, please. Okay, that'll be $8 billion. No problem, I want the peace. The peace that you can't put a price on this. You can't, you can't put a price on this. But he says this, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. This is hope. This is good. For as members of one body, all of us, you are called to live in peace. <laughs> Nobody says anything bad in church. That's false. Here, other churches, I don't care. Listen, we don't come in with all having the same week. Some of you may have had a great week. Some of you may have had the worst week of your entire life. Our attitudes can show this. Our speech can show this. Our actions can show this. For he says this, For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Why do you think he does this? Because he's seen churches that don't act in peace. If you don't act in peace, it can cause spiritual cancer. And he says, don't do it. Listen, he's giving advice for these new creation people. And always be thankful. I had someone come up to me this morning. They didn't need to. They said, hey, thanks for doing that. Okay, no problem. But you know what my heart felt? <laughs> it was happy. You know why? Because there's not too many people outside, outside God's will in, the, in this world that will say, hey, thank you for you doing what you do. You know it as well as I do. You have people that you work for or with, they don't say thank you a lot, do they? 
So he goes in. Now, I'm not a math person, but I did put a math equation in your handout. <laughs> but I've proofed it, I've checked it, and I've read God's Word, and it's completely true. Look at the next blank. Forgiveness plus love equals peace. If you're willing to forgive or ask for forgiveness and incorporate that with love, this is what you will get. You will get something that you cannot buy. You will get peace. And many of, us, many of us are sitting here right now and you think, I don't even remember what peace is. This world can take you for a whirlwind of a ride. You don't know what it's like to close your eyes at night and go, you know what, God, thank you for my day. It was just awesome today. I'm not saying every day is a day in Candyland. I'm not saying that. But forgiveness and love. If you practice these two, you're going to see a lot more of the, of the products right here. You're going to see a lot more of the, of the answer. You're going to see a lot more peace. He continues, probably still standing up. If you underline things, I'm going to give you some words right here. In verse 16 it says this, Let the message about Christ... First of all, underline message about Christ. Because no other message matters nearly as much as that one. Look at the way that Paul... Paul is so in love with God and His Word. Look at this. Look at this. He says, In all of its richness. Richness is a way that you can describe something. Some of you coffeeaholics like me will say this. That's really good, bold, awesome coffee that could walk to you. Well, that's good. Okay? If the coffee can walk, it's good. Some of you have no idea what that is. Strong coffee. Okay? But let the message, the message about Christ and all of its richness fill our lives. The aroma from you loving God should be expelled like a scent candle. You should come in contact with people and you should leave their presence, maybe not without saying a word and go, there is something different about that dude or that lady. There's something different about them. Listen, everyone these two words. Teach and counsel. Not with your own instruction manual or your own scope on whatever you want, by the way. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that you have yourself. No. That He gives. God. Not on your own agenda. Oh, you need to learn more about this because it, it would help us. No. Learn more about what He says. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Some of you, I can just see from playing guitar. Um, just, just while you sit here. Stand for worship. Some of you understand completely what the words of those songs mean. And some of you don't sing. Because you're too emotional. Because you understand what God has done. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And I wrote this prayer for us. After the first half of Colossians 3, this is my prayer for you and I and our church. You ready? That we may be these people. We may practice forgiveness and love. Understand that we each have our faults. Move on. Keep our scope on what matters, not what we think matters, but what truly matters. Folks, God is moving in ways that you can't even comprehend right now. 
And He's moving in ways that I would love to tell you about, but right now I can't. And He is moving in the lives of younger people and older people and middle-aged people and people that live here and people that do not live here. It's amazing. I'll leave you with this. We pray very hard in my house for you and for any any arm or leg spiritually that leaves out of this place. A connect group, we pray very hard for you. We pray for our college kids, very hard. We pray for our high schoolers and junior high kids and elementary kids, very hard. Pray for our teachers, very hard. And I prayed with a young lady this week and over over the summer, and she said, all summer, all summer, I ask God to put one or two people in my life that can lift me up spiritually in a world that I know that's not. And I talked to her this week. And she said, hey, I'm getting ready to go to church. <laughs> and I said, how are things going? And she said, she said, I have got to tell you about this. She said, it is very uncool to be where I am and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I had a prayer request, and I just said, hey, will you pray for this with me? Will you pray for this? Will you? She goes, absolutely. I'm going to share it right now. And she said, on a messenger group chat, God didn't give me one or two. But in a place where it's not popular to love Jesus Christ, she said, I have 72 people that hold each other accountable and lift each other up in prayer in, that is a light in a black hole. And then she says this. She said, Matt, I've never seen God move like this before. Let's go. <laughs> let's get up and let's go. God is moving. and He's waiting for an army of people to say, I'm in. But we have to die to ourselves. Let's keep our scopes where they need to be. Pray with me. God, thank you so much. We look forward to next week and God baptizing people, seeing new people join the church on the 30th of this month. God, looking forward to hot dogs and fall weather and bonfires and volleyball and all kinds of stuff that we're going to do next week. We just ask God that you bring people into this worship center next week that do not know you. And that God, something, some word, some song, some scripture from me or anybody else in here will speak to them. God, they may become in relationship with You. I pray for the courage of the people that are going to be baptized next week. I pray for the courage of these people that are sitting within the earshot of my voice to follow Colossians 3. God, it's so hard. God, we just ask You to help us. Even as we get ready to go eat lunch, Minister to the people, God, that You've given their job today is to serve our table. God, may You, may you grant us strength to minister to them while they serve us. Thank You for the lives that we saw changed yesterday by Community 11 and for the people that gave of themselves. We love You, God. We give You all the praise and all the glory for shaking down prisons. Amen.
Can be calmed and broken for my 